0: Hello everyone, this is Michael Linstead, I'm the President and Co-Founder of the Nehemiah Project, where we replace hopelessness with hope. So, we've got a really special guest today. I'm extremely excited to dive into the topic of health and well-being today. We're going to be discussing the role of exercise and nutritional supplementation and positive mental habits. It's concerned when we're talking about health and well-being. So, James, how are you? Mike, I am well. Right on. It is good
1: to be here with you, brother. This is my first podcast experience, so... yeah. I'm excited and overall um, today, I'm doing well.
0: Good. So James is the owner of a local nutritional supplement store called Sacred Earth. Um, I'm a huge fan of James's shop. Um, Everything that they're about, um, I just am a huge uh, approver of and I frequent his store all the time. Um, And uh, if you guys don't know me out there, which I know a lot of you guys listening do, Obviously, you know that I'm into weight training, I'm into playing sports, I'm into taking care of my body, because you only get one, and, uh, <laughs> and we know so much about how to take care of the body now, which is amazing, and so James is integral in the way that I take care of my body, and so um, I want to hear a little bit more about not only your life, James, um, but Sacred Earth, so definitely, first of all, where are you from, uh, how did you get to where you are today? Uh, I want to know a little bit about your family life, as much as obviously you want to share, and then let's talk about Sacred Earth. So, where are you from, James?
1: Okay, born and raised, native of Mandeville, Louisiana. Oh yeah, 1986. And um, you know, jumping right in with uh, the with my family dynamic growing up, uh, my parents are in Buffalo, New York, and they good people, not health conscious people. Mm-hmm. I grew up on cereal.
0: Okay. Wait, which kind of cereal? Oh, man. The Cocoa Puffs, Trix,
1: um, Lucky Charms,
0: yes. Corn Pops. I mean... Oh, my gosh. I'm getting hungry. Hold on. <laughs> you,
1: you name it. That's what I was digesting on a daily basis, three or four times a day. Nice. So I <clears throat> wanted to put that out there. Yeah. Right? I, I guess it would be fair to say that was really the beginning of my health journey. Mm. Right? And so uh, flash forward, it was around 2012... Uh, I was dating a gal, she was working at Whole Foods at the time, Mm -hmm. and uh, she introduced me to this concept, and it's called making smoothies. Wow. And I thought, wow, I don't know what this is, it's foreign, what do I do? (laughs) She's like, well, let me loan you this blender, (laughs) and she would receive samples galore from Mm -hmm. the reps at that time, so I had more things than I knew what to do with. And there I was. Every morning, I was I was a mad alchemist in the kitchen making these mm-hmm. smoothies. They tasted unbelievably gross. Yeah, but I drank them down, and that was really the beginning of focusing on health um, on a physical level. Yeah, and so I really began there, and it snowballed. Right. So then, flash forward once again. I met my wife in 2016. And I met her trying to sell her some granola bars that had some superfood organic granola bars that I was making at the time. And um, she didn't bring in the bars Uh to her location. But (laughs) I guess that wasn't the point at that time. So we met. We kind of fell for each other fairly quickly. Awesome. Uh, She ended up taking over the bars. And then flash forward once again from 2016 to 2019, January 5th. I opened up Sacred Earth Health Food Store Wellness Boutique here in Mandeville. Mm -hmm. And I made that decision because I was have been in the industry, I guess, going on nine or ten years now. The majority of it I actually spent in sales. So I started out as a demo demo specialist working for two dozen companies, um, specializing in product education and setting Mm -hmm. up little booths and tables at various grocery stores, primarily Whole Foods. Okay. And educating, handing out samples, doing the thing, and then I got picked up by one brokerage, and then got picked up by another brokerage. But well, the second brokerage was a fairly large one, one of the biggest ones in the country, Brad okay. and my own Associates out of uh, Fort Worth, Texas, and we represented some of the biggest lines in the industry. And so that was in um, early 2016. What um, are some?
0: Can you say some of those lines just oh, so people sure. can kind of get a context of so where you're coming from?
1: Natural Factors, uh-huh. uh, Terry Naturally, or Pharma. Oh, yeah. Enzymedica, to name a few, mm-hmm. um, Barleen's as well, Great. Uh, Innovative CBD, mm-hmm. um, some of the big dogs.
0: And just for you guys listening out there, we are going to talk all about CBD. So if you're interested in learning more about it, keep listening. Awesome.
1: So I uh, spent a lot of time traveling, mm-hmm. uh, took care of most of the health food stores uh, that were working with our lines, which was most of them, in Louisiana, Mississippi. Okay. So a lot of time on the road. A lot of time flying around to trade shows and events and national sales meetings and so on and so forth. And I absorbed a lot of information. It was a lot of product training and it was a lot of sales training and uh, it was a lot of fun, dot, dot, dot. But coming into 2019, I started to wear down. Mm-hmm. And I was living off coffee, coffee mm-hmm. right? And we'll talk more about coffee yeah. for sure. Can't skip that beat. Yeah. And it was, the, it was the sales life. And it was interesting because operating in the health food industry, you would think, being in the industry, you would have a notch above, you know, um, what a typical uh, salesman or woman, what their lifestyle would look like. I'm here to tell you, nope, Yeah, you've fallen all the habits and it's the same stuff. And so I very much wow. did. So all that to say adrenal fatigue is yeah. what set in and it set in hard and set in fast. And it was um, debilitating in a few different ways, me personally, my physical health, my family life, mm. you know, all of my relationships started to suffer. And then I decided um, I got to draw the line. And so um, exited the brokerage in November of 2018 and then opened up Sacred Earth yeah. in January 2019. Needed to make that change and that transition. And in fact, flash forward, where are we? Uh, we're some
0: day and month. Almost in done with, I think, the craziest year in the record books, 2020. I agree with that.
1: Yeah. Um, and so I would say my adrenal glands are recovering, Mm. still not fully recovered from from that time. Yes. The adrenal glands are very small, so it takes a long time for them to receive the nutrients through the diet and supplementation for them to recover properly. Mm. And I I would probably say maybe I'm 60 to 70%
0: there. Wow. Right. Wow. We're going to pick back up on that in a little bit. Yeah. I'd love that. That's, um... That's intense. Sorry. Keep going. I'm yeah, just thinking yeah. about my own life. <laughs>
1: so, um, that's kind of my story, Yeah, you know, and that's kind of how I began a little bit of background of where I am mm-hmm. today. And it's a journey yeah. and there's no graduating. There's never enough learning to be had. It mm. is very dynamic for me. It's very enriching. It's very exciting. I love what I do. Mm-hmm. And, um, really happy to be sharing this with everyone right
0: now too. Yeah. So first question about Sacred Earth that I have is, so I'm from California and health consciousness is, I don't know, just pretty standard out in California. You know, people are are definitely more aware of what they're eating. At least they seem to care more. Um, You know, there's just a different lifestyle out there. And Mm -hmm. when I moved here, obviously the the lifestyle is very different out here, especially when we're talking about nutrition, Um, just in general. And so I'm interested to hear from you. You know, growing up in the industry in the South, uh, how was your experience? You know, in terms of educating people, like how was it received? Um, was it was it some? Did you ever find that there was any sort of cultural barriers? You know, when it comes to because people are, food is very culturally oriented. You know, yes. so I want to hear. Was there any sort of cultural barriers? Is it is nutrition? Um, an interesting topic in your experience for other people to hear about. Um, just harp on harp on some of those sort of cultural aspects of, of what you've done.
1: Sure. As far as a cultural barrier, coming, um, you know, we are here at the heart of the deep fried South. Mm-hmm. So the answer is yes, big yeah. time. Um, I speak. I've learned that I speak a different language. Yeah. Not a lot of individuals around here speak this language. Mm. It's rare. And when I say this language, what do I mean? It's 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 the understanding of a general or perhaps enhanced understanding of how the body operates mm-hmm. and how to give it what it needs to thrive. Um, what I've noticed over the years, being from Mandeville, mm-hmm. right, which is um, why I love the fact that I was able to open this store here in Mandeville, yeah, is over the years I have noticed, especially in the last four or five years, that health consciousness is coming around mm. it's becoming more popular, it's becoming more mainstream and yeah. it is here locally it's nationally and perhaps internationally as well. in fact you, that it certainly is not mm-hmm. perhaps and so that's a very good thing. People are becoming curious, right? so because it's trendy, right a lot of folks are wanting to see what it's all about, right they'll dip their toes in and they'll start experiencing a few things. Maybe such like, oh well, I'm starting to feel a little bit better. Maybe there's something to this. Yeah. So where in the beginning it was, let me try this trend, let me be cool, let me fit in with this new right. thing. And now it's this is my this is a wonderful lifestyle. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel
0: better. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Which
1: is wonderful. Huge. So fun to watch. Yeah. So fun to watch. People really experience that. <clears throat> and so uh all that said, um, Well, let me say this too. What I've noticed as well is people generally around here as well are pretty open minded. Hmm. Pretty, for the most part. Yeah. You know, I got some folks come in and, and, you know, make jokes about this and that. I mean, I'm literally right next to a, pool boy shop yeah as you know yeah that place is an institution yeah the amount of foot traffic they get it's in interesting it seeing the body wild. types
0: walking out of that store versus the body types walking out of your store
1: i <laughs> experience um some dissonance some cognitive dissonance for and sure some borderline depression for yeah. a while after mm. getting into that shop watching you know Man. um a lot of these people literally struggle to get up to the curb yeah and then take a break at the, uh, at the post, yeah. rest there for a minute and then make their way in the door. And it's
0: sad. Like, you know, we're not, we're not making a knock on them. It's like, oh. dude, so just quick side note, you know, we're tripping on the coronavirus and, and the death count and all that, but dude, heart disease kills over 500,000 people mm-hmm. in our country a year. Mm-hmm. That's more than the coronavirus has killed this year. Mm-hmm. And I'm not downing either one of those, but the fact remains is that look, Without the coronavirus, we have a serious problem on our hands, and it's our health. It's our own bodies that we, we're not taking care of at large. And I've noticed that in California, everywhere I've gone, I've noticed it, even in England, except when I was in England because my family lives in England, I did notice that the obesity there was a different type mm-hmm. than the obesity here. Like what people, people considered obese over there would be considered quote-unquote healthy over here. I mean, yeah. so America is definitely... Bigger in in that regard, mm-hmm. um, and, and I know that you see it on a daily basis and you, you deal with it on a daily basis uh, from your shop, you know, and and so it, it's just it it boggles the mind because of the amount of information that's out there concerning health and well being. And now we're going to talk about how to decipher some of the the charlatans versus you know, <laughs> compared to what's the what the truth is. But the amount of information that, that's out there, the only explanation that I can seem to. F- have in my own mind for for why people aren't getting healthier or quicker is it just might be information overload uh or lack of motivation mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. but what are, what are some of the experiences that you've had you know with with those people that you're speaking a different language to you know like, what are some of their reactions to whatever you seem to be talking to them about do you come up against um i don't know a, a pushback almost in a sense you know like people get uncomfortable i don't want to change what i'm doing i like what i'm doing you know
1: Where I think that is a practical expectation, um, no. That is actually not what I'm experiencing for the most part, which is surprising and lovely and all of the things. Most people who come in in through the door and start asking questions are are genuinely curious and wanting to make a change, or at least considering making a change. And so uh, I guess where I come in uh, to the equation is I kind of bring – My excitement comes through, right? So I I tend to, I guess I would say, and I've been told, enchant Mm -hmm. a lot of customers with my excitement and with my knowledge. Yes. I guess I have the ability to be very practical and to really simplify things Mm -hmm. as well. So a lot of my patrons in the community really seem to enjoy that because Mm -hmm. the last thing we want to do in life is overcomplicate things. And that's, and, and back to something you said earlier, reminded me of a term called analysis paralysis. Mm -hmm. So to speak to that, because being more health conscious is so trendy right now, you have companies and writers and bloggers coming out of the wazoo, fresh to the industry, fresh to the conversation. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden they know it all and they're going to tell you what they're going to tell you. Mm -hmm. And so, Dr. Google comes into play here, right? Mm-hmm. And, so, and so it gets overwhelming very fast. Analysis paralysis is absolute reality. And so um, I think it's refreshing, right? For mm-hmm. a lot of folks who come into the store, and, and when I say store, health food store. So the health food industry, right? We are the other end of the spectrum. We have existed for decades. Right? We were kind of the antithesis, rather, we are the antithesis to the pharmaceutical industry and the mm-hmm. medical industry. Right, And um, it dates back bef- uh, pre World War II, as the, a matter
0: of fact. The, the, nat- the naturopathic versus the pharmaceutical. Correct. Yeah, pre yeah.
1: World War II. Mm-hmm. It was very unfortunate. World War II, the ramifications of World War II, we're still suffering today. A lot of mm-hmm. people who aren't in history don't realize that. But it was consequence of World War II that we started introducing um, a lot of chemicals into the food supply. Mm-hmm. It was happening before that, but after World War II, it became very streamlined. And that was really the beginning, uh, uh, marked the, a major beginning of, of the industry, taking a step forward in the sense of, we have to preserve natural living and a natural lifestyle like our ancestors did. Mm-hmm. We have to do this. And so, fifties uh, and sixties is you know when health food stores started really popping up mm-hmm. and started to become noticeable. Or before it was all you had, mm-hmm. and then that started changing. And then the sixties, seventies, and eighties, and obviously to today. And so, with all that said, um, I'm very passionate um, about being a part of the health food store
0: culture. That's awesome, man. And it's funny you say you know in the fifties and sixties and seventies is when you started to see the health food reemerge, a health food store reemerge. And kind of one of, you know, the ignorant sort of comments that I've heard people make and whether or not they're, you know, trying to be, um, I don't know, negative is another story. But they, they say when you're talking about health food stores, oh, like, the, like is that like a hippie store? Or like, you know, like, mm-hmm. there's all kinds of words, you know, crunchy or I've heard all sorts of uh, silly things, you know. Right. Like, it's funny because, you know, when we're talking about a pharmaceutical drug, that's a whole crazy conversation we can get into, but I don't, it's not probably for this podcast, but just think about what you're putting into your body when you take a little pill versus what you're putting into your body that is natural, mm-hmm. that God made for your body. Yes. Right? Now, I'm not, I'm not anti-pharmaceutical because I believe that there is merit in certain situations. Absolutely, sure. for sure. Sure. But, I mean, just it's like why, why would you downplay the natural option <laughs> it, it, it's it's interesting to, to think about you know um, it is and i think the answer is profit oh for sure i mean i'm right. looking at a book here that we're going to be quoting from called get serious by dr brett osborne uh, it's a neurosurgeon's guide to optimal health and fitness and he has a whole chapter outlined now he's a neurosurgeon mm-hmm. whole chapter outlined about the profit driven disease management system that we have this guy has a number of accolades listed here on the front. He's a diplomat of the American Board of Neurological Survey, diplomat of American Academy of Anti-Aging Medicine, and he has a uh, National Strength Conditioning Association degree as well. And so here's a guy in that in that industry who's saying what it is all about. It's about profits. And it doesn't take a rocket scientist, scientist to understand that. Right. So, you know, that, that might be another uh, good uh, podcast topic to get you back in and here on. Would love it. But let's move forward now. Talking about how do we create optimal long-term health and well-being? You know, I know that you said one word before. You know, thrive. What, what would you say? Just give us a working definition of what that means. What is optimal health and well-being? What does it mean to thrive? Just an everyday definition that we can kind of use as a working definition here.
1: In in one word, and I'm going to use this word many more times today. Uh, the word is balance. It's balance on the mental physical spiritual mm. levels yeah that's really what it is in a nutshell
0: yeah w- give us a f- like a feeling associated with balance
1: the feeling of balance is um again the feeling of thriving mm-hmm. you are energetic mm-hmm. you are at peace you are joyful you are positive mm-hmm. your outlook your approach to life every day when you wake up is strong strong and your response to stress is um on par with the stress right and it's what it needs to be it's it's you're not you're not going over the top and you're not going under the table you're meeting right. it right in the middle yeah right so that's a that's what I'd say would be a good sense of feeling balanced right it's an yeah. excitement for life
0: and it is you know it is a subjective um feeling you know it really is because mm. You know, a genetics come into play and, and everyone kind of runs at a different engine speed. You know, I like think I've noticed with addicts, including myself, you know, um, we run at a higher idle than most people do. You know, there's a reason why a lot of CEOs of top companies in the world like have come from that addiction lifestyle, you know. And then you have other people, you know, um, like my wife, you know, she, she runs at a different speed than I do. And, and that's great. Like there's not, there's one is not better than the other. But in terms of well-being and, and health and thriving, it is a subjective. Like, hey, when I wake up, if I had a good night's sleep, do I feel like <laughs> am I not dragging out of myself out of bed? You know, if you are, maybe that's a sign that you got some adrenal fatigue or or something else going on. But yeah, I think the, a subjective definition is pretty pretty fitting. You know, so on on the no, the topic of optimal health and well-being, we basically. You know, there's a whole bunch of literature out there, but essentially it's come. There's there's been two components that seem to be involved in every disease process that's out there. One is stress and the other is inflammation. Those seem to be the main causes of the disease process. Would you agree? I would agree. All right. So we'll, we're going to focus then on those two things. We're going to talk about stress. Everyone check your heartbeat real quick. Are you getting stressed out? <laughs> Hopefully not. Right. So don't stress out. So... On the topic of stress, especially when it comes to adrenal fatigue and cortisol, okay, I want you to speak from your own experience with that adrenal fatigue. You mentioned a high consumption of caffeine coming primarily from coffee. What were you feeling like towards the end when you started to realize that your adrenals were fatigued? What was the, what was the feeling when you woke up in the morning?
1: The feeling was a mixture of exhaustion, irritability,
0: and sadness. Sadness, mm-hmm. huh, that has to do with those, the dopamines and the big time. serotonins, yeah. Correct. So I'm, I'm just gonna be reading here from a book here just to sort of guide the discussion. This says, when stress is long lasting or chronic, it can affect virtually all of the body's systems. The initial response is the quote, fight or flight response, right? Which activates the sympathetic nervous system and causes the adrenal glands to secrete adrenaline and cortisol, which are both stress hormones. This fight-or-flight response is the body's response to a perceived threat or danger and is designed for short-term use. It is important that cortisol returns back to normal after this initial response. However, when stress continues for a long period of time, we can get stuck in this sympathetic nervous system state, otherwise known as the resistance phase of stress. High cortisol correlates to digestive problems, weight gain, fatigue, inflammation, and poor sleep along with being at the core of many other chronic health conditions like depression. And just reading that list there, three of the things you had mentioned are in that list. Right, so my question first is, is we need to define, it says if stress continues for a long period of time, somewhat vague, what in, in your understanding, how can we define how long is too long?
1: Mm-hmm. So nature nurture clause, everyone is so different. Mm-hmm. Genetics, mm-hmm. hereditary conditions. It's really very subjective person to person, okay. right? For me, um, I, come, I come from a family line, uh, strong lots on both sides, strong genes on both sides. Mm-hmm. Um, and so with that said, looking back in my memory banks for a second here, mm-hmm. I started pushing myself too hard in 2016. And then it was about mid-2018, mm-hmm that I realized where I was at and that something needed to change. So yeah. about two, two years, two and a half years.
0: And as I'm thinking about cortisol, you know, I have a family member that's got some cortisol issues and that family members um, consequently gained a lot of weight mm-hmm. and they're taking care of it now. But one of the things that contributed to that was that person was working night shifts and then sometimes working day shifts and they would week to week be changing. And I remember even when I was uh, in re- in a recovery program at the Dream Center in Los Angeles, uh, the first job that I had in that program was night security. And so I was up all night and was sleeping maybe four or five hours a night or a day. <laughs> and I remember like those feelings of fatigue and depression and, and, you know, it was somewhat expected. So my mindset was, I was able to kind of level out a little bit. It's like, okay, this is temporary, right? But in, in my family member's case, it wasn't necessarily temporary, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And so that person you know, the way that I understand what's going on with them is their cortisol is just, it's like stuck and it's just continually firing. And the reason why I bring all that up is I want to talk a little bit about circadian rhythms. And I know that they're highly individualized. And for those of you who don't know what circadian rhythms are, it's essentially your your own body's 24-hour cycle uh in terms of wake and sleep right and so i've basically category cat, I, can, I can put people into one of three categories you got the early birds like me who naturally wake up at 5 five thirty in the morning uh and start to get tired ready for sleep about 7 8 i'm out by 9 p.m then you got the nine to fivers i call them um usually get up around 8 in the morning and go to bed around 10 or 11 at night and then you got your night owls. And so I'm sorry if you're a night owl out there, society doesn't serve you well. Uh, night owls get up maybe 10, 11 in the morning if they're lucky and go to bed at maybe one, two in the in the morning. So those are the basic categories. I, I know there's lots of individual variability there, but that's the basic categories for the circadian rhythms. Uh, and so can you just kind of talk a little bit and share some of your knowledge on how to figure out your circadian rhythm, some practical ways um, and, and maybe even some supplementation to kind of help you if you have trouble falling asleep, get into a sleep sleepy state.
1: Sure. First thing I'll say, I, I, I will admit I am a nine to fiver. <laughs> Currently, um, that might change. I'm open to that changing. Um, early to bed and early to wise. Early to rise, rather, right? A lot right. of wisdom in that. Yeah. <sighs> Circadian rhythm, um, your internal biological clock, and that biological clock, when in balance, is in tune. With what the sun is doing, mm-hmm. right? My heart goes out um, to all the individuals who have night shifts. Yeah, a very difficult thing to do. We're our species. We are meant to be awake during the day and to be resting during the night. Right. For your biological rhythms to be in balance, that's critical. Can there be? Uh, can Can those individuals? You know? Can they bring some balance to that type of a lifestyle? Yes. But at the end of the day, I got no cure or remedy for that. It's just going against the grains of our species and nature and what we're meant to do. So that's very difficult. So as far as um, resetting the clock, Mm -hmm. right, bringing that back into balance, so many tools in the tool belt to do this, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, First and foremost, um, diet, Right. exercise, mm-hmm. it always boils down to those two fundamental principles yep. of health and well-being and balance mm-hmm. you know, in, this, uh, in this life, in yeah. these bodies. It's critical. So what does that mean to say? We have to focus on nutrient-dense foods. We have mm-hmm. to give our body and the body's various systems what it needs to maintain homeostasis. Okay, mm-hmm. That's critical. And exercise as well. Exercise is good for the body for so many. Oh, yeah. As you all we'll know, we'll talk about that. We in a dive bit. into that. It's so many. It's endless. It's and weight weight endless.
0: training exercise specifically seems to have more benefit than long cardio sessions. So we'll talk about that more. But you said homeostasis. What What does that mean for people? Homeostasis
1: out there? is balance. That's what that balance. means. It's a very scientific,
0: right? The, proper way to say balance. The body is going to find balance, which like a little bit deeper working definition would be, it's gonna find the way to conserve the most energy and still have a, a solid output throughout the day.
1: It's doing it all the time, 24 seven, no matter what we do to our body. That's what the body's trying to do. Mm-hmm. Bring mm-hmm. bring a balance homeostasis.
0: So resetting or, or shifting? Did you say resetting or shifting the circadian rhythm?
1: Resetting, okay. I would say hitting, I'd like the metaphor of you hitting the reset button on it.
0: Yeah, and now is it possible, and I haven't read so far that it is, but you're a lot more knowledgeable than I am. Is it possible to to change that circadian rhythm? Yes. Like significantly, of course. Really, you bet. Okay, so is that like coming down to forcing yourself to wake up? And
1: because it's, you it's, said
0: the night shifts, you're there's no way. Well, that yeah. that
1: that's more of a complex thing. That's right. true. However, remember it's natural for the human body yeah. to be in balance. Mm. We we were created by Creator by creation to be in balance. Right. That's our natural state. Mm. That's how it's supposed to be. We live in times of modernity where things are much more complex these days, mm-hmm. hence this very podcast, mm-hmm. right? Um, but yes, that's our natural state, and so to bring it back into hit the reset button, like I said, bring it back to a natural state, right? How we're meant to function. Um, it again, it's subjective; depends upon where a person's at in their life, right? Mm-hmm. I hit the reset on my circadian rhythm when I decided to exit my my sales gig, and Mm. open up the shop, right? Normalize my sleep schedule, normalize my diet, my exercise, supplementation, absolutely. But when we're talking about sleep, when we're talking about rest, we are talking about essentially, in one big way, melatonin, Mm. okay? Is that
0: the sleepy hormone? Correct.
1: Melatonin is produced by the pineal gland in the Mm. center of the brain. The pineal gland is an integral gland of the endocrine system. Mm -hmm. And the pineal gland produces melatonin. Um, Naturally, the pineal gland is is meant to produce 0.3 milligrams of melatonin to get us to where we need to be in mm. a nice restful state i say 0.3 and i say it that way because how many individuals have you run across who are taking one milligram five right. milligrams, i was 10 just 10 milligrams it is impairing the function of the pineal, pineal right. gland it's creating going to create some long-term issues and um, in salt to injury, most of the melatonin uh, people are taking, 90% of the marketplace is synthetic based. Mm. It's not plant based melatonin. So that's also going to create more issues as well. So, had to get that in there. The
0: how do critical. they, how do they, um, I'm interested to hear how they get that supplement into a digestible form because your body produces it, right? So, how do you know anything about the processing required that, that goes on to get melatonin into a digestible form?
1: Synthetically?
0: Yeah, or how like you said, plant-based, like mm-hmm. where does that come from?
1: And- plant-based, so um, I'm a big fan of one particular natural-based melatonin product I have in my shop. It's called Herbatonin by Simply Health Natural and it's derived from brown rice. Huh. So I believe they ferment the brown rice um, to an optimal level and then they extract the melatonin from the brown rice and I wouldn't be surprised if they also perhaps attached enzymes to it. Mm-hmm. I have to double check that. Enzymes, that of sense. course, will break will help the body break things down or then right. enzymes to break things down um but but yeah fermentation a, a lot of yeah or natural mm-hmm. uh uh supplements and and or rather minerals and vitamins are pulled out through the fermentation process
0: It's a high, it's a higher quality extraction method yes yeah i was doing some research on um some some pre-workout supplements a, a while back and i found that there's basically two ways to extract uh, amino acids right uh, the cheaper, more um, widely used way is the one, it's gross, dude. So they use uh, chemicals. I don't know which ones they use. Um, but to extract from everything from human hair to animal bones, uh, anything that's got amino acids in it, then they'll run them through their chemical process and extract it. So when you're taking your BCAAs guys in the gym and you don't know how they got that right. <laughs> into that powdered form, just know that it could be coming from human hair. Not that that's necessarily gross or anything, but I mean, it grosses me out. The other way <laughs> is the fermentation, the plant uh, plant fermentation method. And a um, uh, pre-workout supplement that I use is from a company called Evogen. And that is the way that they extract all of their uh, BCAs and, and various ingredients that they have is through plant fermentation. It's a little bit more expensive, mm-hmm. but it's my body, it's my health I'm talking about. You know what I mean? And so I'll pay 10 more dollars to take care of my health, you know? And so some of those... Uh, Extraction methods are, are interesting. <laughs> I encourage you guys out there listening to uh, just look up the extraction methods of your favorite protein powder. Just do that and see what you can find on that.
1: It'll be an interesting search.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Might, it might change your mind. So moving on from cortisol and adrenaline and stress, let's move on to the neurotransmitters uh, that are most widely associated with things like um, lack of sleep, depression, anxiety. Um, maybe bipolar if you deal with anybody coming into your shop that has that. Um, So most addictions are, you know, within the context of addiction, right? I mean, that's what we do. We take care of people with addiction problems, uh, anxiety issues, depression, et cetera, at the Nehemiah Project. And so we talk about neurotransmitters actually quite a lot on this podcast and with our clients, but most addictions are driven by the need to increase or reduce these sorts of neurotransmitters like dopamine, like serotonin, um, and so the issue as far as addiction is concerned is I'll use myself, for example, when I would take, um, ecstasy for an example, that would put me into a state where my serotonin was being dumped at an abnormal, unnatural rate. And that's why you, that's why I call it ecstasy is you feel amazing. And, and some of the things that that I noticed when I was on that was that I, I had no social anxiety. Like I could talk to complete strangers and if they were on it, they would totally, and we would have like the best conversations or so we thought, you know, like it was very interesting to to notice that your social anxiety would just drop when serotonin was flooding the brain. But the problem is it's unnatural. So the next day you would be like a, a zombie. Like you would have no happiness, no just nothing. You'd just be completely useless <laughs> for lack of a better way of describing it. And so the issue with addiction is, is we use you know, people that struggle with it as they use substances to sort of try to find balance. That's why they call it self-medicating. But often, obviously, it's not in balance and it's way too high, right? And we, we grow accustomed to that, that high that we get and we build a tolerance suit. So we gotta take more and more and more. And then we try to get off the drug or, or the substance and boom, it's, it's all the way back down, right? So what are some ways uh, through supplementation Mm -hmm. that we can affect those neurotransmitter imbalances and kind of get back to homeostasis. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about anxiety first. If you're struggling with anxiety, dump some information on us.
1: Sure. So anxiety is a tough one. Mm -hmm. And sometimes anxiety uh, can be hereditary. Mm -hmm. That can get passed on through the genes. Other times it's situational. It's perhaps stress from a job. Um, Other times anxiety could be diet-related. What you're eating, you could be allergic to certain things and the body's having a reaction that can make you feel physically and anxious, emotionally anxious because you don't understand what's going on. There's some inflammation happening there. And then unfortunately for some folks, you're experiencing all of those things at the same time. Mm -hmm. And now you're having panic attacks and you're having Mm -hmm. anxiety attacks. And that's very tough. Uh, Hyper focusing on dopamine and serotonin, Mm -hmm. right? So much to say about these neurotransmitters, right? So serotonin produced primarily in the gut. Um, mm-hmm. dopamine produced primarily in the brain. Isn't
0: it 90% of your serotonin is produced in the to 80 to 90% serotonin wow. in the gut. In the
1: gut. Yeah. So
0: what you eat directly affects those serotonin levels.
1: Cannot stress that point more. Wow. You are what you eat and you are what you think as well. Thy food is thy right? medicine. Another, another really cool term, Carolyn Mace, perhaps she coined this. This one stuck with me, but um, here it goes. Your biography is your biology.
0: Wow. Big one. Yeah. Yeah, that one just blew me right open. That's huge because you see like people in France, right? They eat high-fat diets, they drink red wine, Mm -hmm. don't have heart disease, don't have obesity, right? right? Yeah. Wow, okay, sorry. No, it's good. So um, with
1: dopamine, uh, dopamine is is often referred to as the reward molecule, Mm -hmm. but I'm on the side of the fence where I see it more as the promise of reward Molecule. I would
0: agree with that based off what I've read as well right yeah. dopamine's
1: a bit more tricky mm-hmm. than serotonin right because mm-hmm. dop- dopamine likes to dangle that carrot yeah. where, where serotonin is you just feel good so mm-hmm. uh, and then think about it like this as well dopamine's producing the brain right mm-hmm. serotonin is producing the gut right so go with your gut follow your gut instincts right mm-hmm. um, go slow go steady it's, it's more of a foundational uh, neurotransmitter or a dopamine is in the brain and hence of the mind. Well, mm-hmm. the mind doesn't act as our, as our friend all of the time. That's right? True. The mind I can be that. tricky, tricky territory. So to look at it like that for me has been helpful. Yeah. When I think of the the physical practice of grounding, mm-hmm. right, which, mm-hmm. I, which I love and I do daily. It's one of my morning practices. What is
0: grounding for those of them? Who don't so know grounding,
1: a.k.a. earthing, mm-hmm. is when you are literally uh, walking or sitting down on the earth barefoot. Um, minimal clothes as possible is nice, obviously, if possible. And there's actually, uh, there's plenty of studies now and peer-reviewed studies. You can go to PubMed mm-hmm. and find studies on grounding and earthing mm-hmm. and showing how it reduces stress, anxiety, and inflammation in the body. You were literally spending yeah. time on the ground. That's awesome. I love it. And I'm pretty sure our ancestors were on top of it. No nope, right. well, pun intended in that way, but... Right,
0: right. So
1: it's like that, right? Yeah. And so, okay, back to... Um,
0: I, want, I want to jump in right here oh, because sure. I'm just on the, on the internet right now as you're talking, looking up you know ways to increase dopamine levels naturally. Uh, there's a lot of suggestions here, but as far as supplements are concerned, I want to hear what your response to these. Mm-hmm. Um, this is on healthline.com. Your body requires several vitamins and minerals to create dopamine. These include iron, niacin, folate, B6 vitamins. Um, if your body is deficient in one or more of these nutrients, you may have trouble making enough dopamine to meet your body's needs. Um, these sub, uh, also, in addition to proper nutrition, so we talked about that, right? Nutrition, exercise, just do it. <laughs> just do it. Just do it. Just do it. In addition to proper nutrition, several other supplements have been linked to increased dopamine levels, but thus far research is limited to animal studies. These supplements include magnesium, vitamin D, curcumin, oregano extract, and green tea. However, more research is needed in humans. Mm-hmm. So what do you have to say about any of those I've taken a lot, of things, a lot of these things from your shop. I love them.
1: All of those are on point. I'm surprised, well, not very surprised, but I'm, I guess I'm surprised that they didn't include L-tyrosine. That is uh-huh. a definite, a go-to amino acid precursor to creating dopamine.
0: It's a precursor. Okay. It's a
1: precursor. A lot of the amino acids are precursors to dopamine. Yeah, yeah. right. So you have glutamine, mm-hmm. L-tyrosine. Those are a couple of really important ones. Um, definitely wanna highlight the, the vitamin D3 mm-hmm. for sure. That's a really solid one as well. Those are all going to help dopamine production and help bring more balance to dopamine production um, which you know is the goal if we're looking at a dopamine imbalance well let's try to bring it back in balance and amino acids typically uh, can get the job done mm-hmm. and that answers the question as far as you know specific supplementation, which is what you asked right but yeah. again I cannot help but harbor the point. Um, It's what you eat, nutrient-dense foods, exercise, Mm -hmm. restful sleep, a positive outlook on life, focusing on healthy relationships, all of that. Mm -hmm. I would say balances dopamine production much more effectively than supplementation. But if you get to the point in life where you're gonna supplement, then the ones you stated, and again, L-tyrosine specifically, um, those would be some good bets.
0: You wanna try those. Let's talk about vitamin D3 for a second. Vitamin D3, um, I, based on what I've read lately, and I'm trying to find it in this book right here, right now, but based on what I've read lately, it's kind of, when it's called a vitamin, it's almost misleading because it acts more like a hormone. Correct.
1: Yeah, it, it, is, you, it is a hormone.
0: Can you talk about that for a second? Because according to this book here that I'm reading from mm-hmm. and a lot of other the research that I've looked at, vitamin D deficiency is like plaguing our Correct. society, Correct. plaguing our society. Correct. And why is, that, why is that a problem?
1: Back to nutrient-dense foods. Uh, so we're in North America, right? Mm-hmm. And we obviously are here in the deep fried South. Mm-hmm. And there's a popular misconception that uh, we can acquire enough vitamin D from the sun by spending enough time outside here. Folks, it's not true, and I'm sorry. I wish right. it was. I do. I'm a big fan of being outside in the sun shirt off. Take it as much as possible. But oh, yeah. unless you are below the equator, you're, there's no way we're getting adequate amounts of D from the sun. Yeah. Now... Here's another little tricky situation. Um, Back in 1936, I believe it was, the Department of Agriculture did a a, a study and they pulled soil samples from across the nation and they tested it uh, regarding the quality of nutrients in these soils. And um, conclusion, they determined that the soil was no longer nutrient-dense enough to support a proper diet. Hmm. Uh, Guys and girls, this was in the 1930s. Just imagine what the quality of the soil is today. It's almost a
0: hundred year difference practically.
1: It's it's really, it's a huge problem. Yeah. and I don't know what the solution is for that. I really don't. My point is though, a lot of the foods we're eating, organic or not, specifically USDA certified organic or not, are devoid of proper amounts of minerals and nutrients, specifically in this case, vitamin D, mm-hmm. um, to sustain us and to give us enough. Now, let's... Let's discuss this as well because it's 2020 and COVID happened, right? Mm. What do you know about viruses? Viruses deplete certain things in the body. They absolutely deplete one's level of vitamin D mm-hmm. as well as zinc too, yeah. which explains the whole.
0: I mean, everyone was trying to buy zinc, you know, when we, oh, first, when we first had this. It was like impossible to get zinc.
1: Yes, indeed. Yeah. yeah quite a bit of it was sold and a lot of my manufacturers went out of stock fairly quick. Yeah. I stocked up, everyone, heads up, plenty of zinc at the shop. Get
0: your zinc. We got it. No worries. Come see us. I actually started taking zinc, yeah. you know, uh, just because I was like, well, why not? I know, why not? I know it's like, as I was doing some research on it, of course, my level of research on it was pretty superficial. Basically, <laughs> some of, the, things, some of the, the sites and some of the articles are just saying it's just basically good for all sorts of different metabolic processes. Yes. Like it's like a super vitamin almost or super mineral.
1: Yes, and good for know. neurological function as well. Mm-hmm. Disclaimer, um, don't take too much zinc. Mm-hmm. Zinc is not like vitamin C where, you know, Oh, you can take as much vitamin C every day as long as it doesn't give you the runs. Yeah, not that way with zinc. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You wanna you wanna focus on, generally speaking, somewhere between twenty five to fifty milligrams of zinc a day.
0: Is it based on people. body weight?
1: Um, not necessarily. Okay, not necessarily. Um, but but why that's critical is if you're taking too much zinc, which a lot of people were doing because mm. they were scared of COVID, right? right. You, will throw up your, you will throw off your copper levels in your brain, right? And so mm. zinc and copper are a very intimate relationship. You throw off your copper levels, well, you're, you will ex- start to experience a lot of issues, specifically neurological issues. Mm. So when everyone was running around, oh more zinc, the better, i got to protect myself. No, that was actually no, not oh, a no. great idea. Of course, you'd have to do it for a particular period of time, depending on the person's you know, biochemical makeup at that point in their life. Mm. Nonetheless, that's my disclaimer. Yeah. Keep that in your back pocket.
0: Yeah, let's move on to adaptogens. So we're talking about stress, right? We're gonna get on. We're gonna be talking about CBD here next, and then we're gonna move on to inflammation. Um, but I want to talk about adaptogens uh, first. Let's define them. What are they? Some examples, um, and then how can we like can they play a role in managing addiction? You know, because that's what I'm super interested in, especially with the Nehemiah Project, is natural alternatives to drug use for all all the people that come in. Eventually, I'd love to have some sort of, I don't know, recommendation or, or list of, of different nutrients they should consider and then obviously work with a health professional to figure out which ones are right for them. But let's talk about adaptogens. What are they? What do they do? What are some examples of them? And how could they possibly play a role in managing cravings and addiction?
1: I love this topic. <laughs> this is a fun one. So first thing I'm going to say, take it for what it's worth. Adaptogenic herbs are magical. Mm-hmm. Uh, science really truly can explain in perfect, with perfection how they operate in the body. But adaptogenic herbs, okay, adaptogen, to adapt, to adapt to stress. Adaptogenic herbs help the body cope with stress, help the body manage stress. Mm-hmm. That's what they do. Adaptogenic herbs, are, are, they're fascinating in so many regards, but a lot of adaptogenic herbs in nature, in their environment, these herbs grow in very harsh conditions where a lot of other plants are not able to grow. Mm. They do, so they have a very strong yeah. immune system. Yeah, they're tough and they're rugged. So there's that, mm. right? Um, there's roughly they sit, last time I researched it, I think roughly between twenty-four and thirty adaptogenic herbs on the planet.
0: Wow. That's it. Huh? Twenty-four
1: to thirty, maybe more at this point. Maybe they're discovering more. Yeah. But that's it, and so when I say magic, and and I'll throw in the word rare and unique as well, mm-hmm. all of those things, for sure. A lot of older traditions and cultures um, treated adaptogenic herbs as sacred plants, yeah, because they were well aware of of the medicine, the medicinal qualities that they offer. Mm-hmm. Again, hashtag love this conversation, big fan. Mm-hmm. So some of the more popular adaptogenic herbs, a lot of you guys and girls have probably heard about by now, are going to be herbs like uh, ginseng, yeah ashwagandha, mm-hmm. maca, holy basil, mm-hmm. cordyceps, some very more popular. Oh yeah, cordyceps are awesome
0: for athletes, man. Help with that ATP production, yeah, of course. That was phenomenal when I took those. They're wonderful. Yeah.
1: Um, again, so much to say, but if I w- was going to focus on one, I, w- I would like to focus on maca. Okay. So maca is an adaptogenic root. Herb. It's actually in the radish family. It grows naturally down in Peru. Mm. The Peruvians have been using this as medicine for a long, long time. Yeah. Okay. And when we're talking about addiction, we're talking about dopamine and serotonin, maca is amazing because it helps rebalance hormones naturally. So the body's messengers that travel through hormones, travel through the blood, neurotransmitters mm-hmm. travel through the nervous system, mm-hmm. um, hormones travel through the blood. Uh, maca does its magic to help recalibrate one's hormones, Hmm. which in effect will help recalibrate the neurotransmitters. All these systems work together. There's a synergy here, right? Mm -hmm. And so maca, great for that reason, rebalancing hormones. What is that gonna do? Well, if you're getting back to homeostasis, it's gonna raise your energy levels. It's gonna Mm -hmm. help uh, bring more balance to stress. Mm -hmm. You're gonna feel more calmer in your body, less anxiety Mm -hmm. too. It'll help with your sleep pretty much every aspect of your life because stress is a killer of all things mm-hmm. good. Stress in one way is the enemy, Yeah, right? In a way. Um, in another way, you know, when we're talking about injuries, well, then stress is necessary and inflammation is necessary to help us heal from injuries. And well, I'm sure we'll get into that in a little bit. Mm-hmm. But psychological, emotional stress, and that's what mm-hmm. we're talking about. And adaptogenic herbs is where it's at. And maca specifically, in my humble opinion, is really where it's at. That's a premier adaptogenic herb.
0: Nice. Okay, I I can't go any farther without asking you about mushrooms. Not yeah. psilocybin, sure. but <laughs> medicinal mushrooms. Because yes. I'm obviously, as you well know, James, I'm a huge fan of using uh, host defense products. Mm-hmm. Um, I use nootropic host defense products. I use the cordyceps. Can we just, just harp on mushrooms for a little bit? Of course. Why they're effective, Some maybe some of the research that um, has that you showed me that uh, was coming, I think it was some Japanese cultures that you showed me, that, that little book that you showed me at your mm-hmm. store. Some of the research about some of your favorite ones and and Mm -hmm. just sort of educate our audience because it's, it's got a negative connotation. Whenever I say mushrooms, people immediately think of tripping on acid or something like that. And this is nothing like that. So just disclaimer, it has nothing to do with tripping on acid or tripping on. It it is also
1: nothing. It has also nothing to do with oyster mushrooms (laughs) as a culinary, (laughs) whatever here in the deep fried South. Cause I face that at the shop quite a bit as well, which is, is always funny. Uh Most medicinal mushrooms are and act as adaptogens. So, okay. oh boy, lion's mane, yeah. reishi, cordyceps, agaricon, mm-hmm. the list goes on, yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, mushrooms are absolutely fascinating. Um, one thing I learned about mushrooms long ago is genetically speaking, we actually have more in common with mushrooms than we do with plants. Mm-hmm. And so the idea here is that we can actually... Uh, digest and metabolize mushrooms easier than plants, so mm. they so they absorb much faster and more efficiently than do plants. Mm. We have more in common with mushrooms. I mean it, that that to me is wow, what a relationship that's yeah. naturally there. How did that relationship get cultivated? Mm-hmm. Who knows? Yeah. But uh, back to host defense. For Minnesota, host defense is the premier medicinal mushroom company out of Washington State, headed by Paul the, Stamets. Right? Paul Stamets, the yeah. leading myco. Um, biologists in the Western Hemisphere.
0: Yeah, the federal government asked, asked him how he stopped uh, prevented bee colony collapse and he fed them mushrooms instead of cheap carbohydrate sugar substitute.
1: That's what he what did. What a
0: novel concept.
1: Strengthen their immune system,
0: <laughs> right? Colony collapse disorder. Mm-hmm. It's a big problem
1: right now. We're losing bee populations mm-hmm. day in and day out. And uh, it's actually a scary thing when you, dig, sure. when you dig down deep into that. And Paul Stamets mm-hmm. is doing amazing work yeah. to try to bring balance to that particular problem, right? Yeah. So back to um a little bit of mushroom history uh in yeah. traditional Chinese medicine mm-hmm. which goes back 5 to 7000 years. Yeah. They've been using these medicinal adaptogenic mushrooms the entire time yeah. for various things. Uh, let's talk about reishi for a second. Reishi mushroom is wonderful for heart health. Uh-huh. It's a general health tonic and it and it was once named the elixir of the gods mm-hmm. and in fact at one point in China it was only reserved for royalty. Wow. So if you were more of a peasantry status and they caught you with a reishi, you could be punishable by death. No way. These were divine sacred herbs in yeah, their yeah. mind reserved for, you know, who they thought was right. royalty at that point. But there's all that. Anywho, yeah. um, a personal story, there were two gals, a uh, health food store when I was a sales rep. And both of these gals, young gals actually, both were experiencing um, heart palpitations. Hmm. Um, and I, I believe it was related to the stress and anxiety they were experiencing. And so I put them on reishi mushroom put them on, I think it was somewhere between three to six capsules a day. So that'd be roughly three to six grams a day. And within two weeks, both of these gals, heart palpitations gone. Wow. Didn't follow up thereafter to see if they kept on it or all that, you know, again, that'd be on par with their stress and anxiety. But just to give you an example of how Mm -hmm. powerful these mushrooms can be. Another fun story um, on uh, cordyceps, Mm -hmm. right? I think it was in the 92 or 94 Olympics, the uh, Chinese track team came out and started dominating, hmm. right, the field, right? And so at that point, the judges in other countries became very upset because they realized, okay, China's not strong on track and field. Right. Yet yeah, here they are placing first. what is going on? We need to drug test them immediately. Right. So they did. Did they find any drugs, pharmaceutical drugs or off the black market drugs? Nope. Mm-mm. All they found in their blood was copious amounts of cordyceps.
0: Wow. Yeah. It's pretty cool. I was helping with that uh, energy protection there. That's exactly right, oxygenating the the blood. I want to talk about lion's mane mushrooms um, because I think there's a lot of benefit when it comes to addiction, anxiety, depression, with supplementing with lion's mane. Um, Again, from healthline.com, I'm looking at it right here, some of the benefits that they list, um, could protect against dementia, um, helps relieve mild symptoms of depression and anxiety, they speed up recovery from nervous system injuries, protects against ulcers in the digestive tract, reduces heart disease risk, helps manage diabetes, helps fight cancers, various cancers, reduces inflammation and oxidative stress, which is definitely what we're about. We're going to be talking about in a little bit. That's but one side note is that this lion's mane mushroom looks like a brain, and it helps the brain. Reishi looks sort of like a heart; it has the, the heart colors, and it helps the heart. Interesting side note. What do you have to say about? What I've just said concerning lion's mane's mushrooms and um, their health benefits. Well, first I'll say, I'm glad you said the mm-hmm. side note because I was going to say that yeah. side note because that's a
1: fascinating point.
0: Yeah, in walnuts like help the brain look like a brain. Mm-hmm. That's interesting.
1: It's It it's, it's, can be so simple. Yeah. It can be so simple sometimes.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Anywho, big fan of lion's mane. So lion's mane is neuroprotective. Mm-hmm. Lion's mane helps neurogenesis mm-hmm. in the brain and neuroplasticity.
0: That's something we talk about a lot in this podcast, neuroplasticity.
1: Lion's mane is a great go-to for that. Lion's mane is going to help overall with memory, cognition, mm-hmm. focus, sharpness, all mental acuity and just mm-hmm. in a nutshell. And so um, cool thing is you can take quite a bit of lion's mane. Mm. Um, you can take quite a bit of mushrooms in general. So I'll talk about that for a second. Um, with with love to host defense. Uh, Their serving sizes are pretty low. Um, For example, a lot of times serving size is two capsules, which is one gram. Mm -hmm. If we're talking about addiction, if we're talking about some serious dopamine imbalances in the brain, Mm -hmm. you can take three, four, five, six, upwards of eight grams Ah. of lion's mane a day, no problem. Mm -hmm. Remember, we have a very unique and awesome relationship with mushrooms. We digest and assimilate them very well and through host defense there is no toxicity in these mushrooms folks so don't don't let your mind go there for one second yeah okay and that's not the case all these are grown in certifiable labs again by the leading my mycologists in the western hemisphere so right very safe um but uh yeah when it comes to lion's mane you can take quite a bit and that will absolutely help bring uh bring uh, more balance to the neurons and the networks mm-hmm. and uh and everything, basically all the functioning of the brain.
0: I'm looking again at healthline.com talking about side effects of lion's mane. No human studies have examined the side effects of lion's mane um, or its extract, but they appear to be very safe. No adverse effects have been seen in rats, uh, even at high doses like 2.3 grams per pound uh, of body weight per day for one month. Yeah, Um, And so, and, and all of this research here, everything you've just been saying is basically corroborating that. So, yeah, mushrooms, uh, me personally, I take them every single day. Uh, I absolutely love the lion's mane mushroom. Uh, I do feel that nootropic effect. Um, mm-hmm. And, man, I jacked my brain up from using drugs and drinking alcohol for a lot of years. So anything I can do to get it back up to par, um, that's safe and natural, I'm down. Absolutely. I am down. Speaking of safe, natural, and being down, let's talk about CBD. I mm-hmm. am a huge fan of CBD. have been using CBD for many years now. Um, I know that... There is somewhat of a stigma surrounding CBD simply because it has relation to the marijuana plant, but I can tell you CBD will not get you high or else I would not be taking it. Um, it has tremendous benefits for me personally, just anecdotally helps my joint pain go away. Uh, it definitely chills me out. Um, uh, I also play music, and when I take CBD and play guitar, it's a whole nother experience. Mm-hmm. I, I'm more creative, um, and so I love using CBD, helps with the inflammation, uh, even topically. I'll take the uh, tinctures, put it right on uh, where I get my golfers or, or tennis elbow. Man, dude, like that gets so painful. I'll put that stuff on there, rub it in. It doesn't hurt. Yeah. It's, it's not like the pain just goes away, but it certainly dampens the pain. So let's talk about what is the endocannabinoid. Did I say that right? You
1: did. <laughs> you, you nailed it.
0: Endocannabinoid, whatever system. <laughs> and then uh, let's talk a little bit about CBD.
1: Okay, this is a fun topic. I've actually given uh, several lectures on this topic to different right. organizations since I opened up the shop, was invited to do so. And there's so much to say about the neocannabinoid system and CBD as a, phyto, as a phytocannabinoid. Let's do a
0: deep dive only CBD podcast in the future. Wonderful. Cool. That, done. Let's get the Cliff Notes version for this one.
1: Sounds good. Let's do it. So um, the endocannabinoid system is a, again, y'all, this can be explained so many different ways. This is my explanation. It's a system of receptor sites in the body. Mm -hmm. And this particular system has more receptor sites than any other system in the body, digestive system, nervous system. The endocannabinoid system has the most receptor sites spread out. Mm -hmm. That's pretty incredible. This particular system was kind of accidentally discovered as early as 1988, when they were studying cannabis, hmm. they were doing clinical trials and studies and, and laboratories internationally on cannabis, and they stumbled across these natural innate endocannabinoid receptor sites that receive the THC and CBD molecules. Hmm. So we have receptor sites, guys, naturally in our body to receive CBD. They're there. Wow. What are they doing there? How'd they get there? Right. They're there. Right. Another fun factoid: the endocannabinoid system they discovered is roughly 600 million years old. Wow! All mammals have one. Okay, and it is a system designed to maintain—back to one of my favorite words—homeostasis. Yeah, balance in the body, mm. right? And it regulates a lot of stuff, you guys. Um, I'm going to run through a few things: uh, pain, appetite, inflammation. Uh, mood, energy, metabolism, muscle control—obviously your stress response. Mm-hmm. It helps regulate all of these things and so much more. Mm-hmm. It's a bit of a mysterious system. Again, they just discovered it in late '80s, early '90s. Mm-hmm. So there's so much more that's going to come out about it. But, Mike, you know when you were explaining what happens with you when you take CBD, you know that that pretty much explains it all, right? So. Mm-hmm it is going to bring balance to stress, anxiety, pain, inflammation and poor sleep quickly. Yeah, And I mean, within minutes, if you yeah. have a nice solid quality terpene rich full spectrum, CBD product, Yeah. Uh, tincture in this case, within minutes. Mm-hmm. And that's incredible.
0: Yeah, so there is a lot of options in terms of product choices. And there's a lot of charlatans out there. What are some of the things just practically, when, if someone's considering buying CBD, what are just some of the things to stay away from? What, what would be a red flag when you're going shopping for CBD? Sure.
1: First thing I'm gonna look for is purity, right? Purity is key. So I wanna know if it's organic, right? A lot of the CBD charlatans that are out there, in my humble opinion, the majority of CBD manufacturers are these charlatans, right? Mm-hmm. I would even say 90% of the market is trash. Okay, and I've been working with CBD products since 2015. So I got a little bit of weight in the game here. Um, Purity is critical. So a lot of these manufacturers actually use synthetic chemical products like hexane to extract Hmm. the CBD from the hemp plant. What's hexane? Hexane is a neurotoxin. Oh, great. Not helpful in any way, shape, or form. Okay, so first key is purity. Second thing I'm looking for is the milligram size. And when it comes to CBD, you guys and girls, more is not better. Mm. Better is not more when it comes to CBD. So for example, I had a CBD rep come in um, to the shop earlier this week, first time in a minute when I first opened, oh boy, Mm -hmm. they were in there all the time. And uh, I just ended up basically having to educate them on what their product was and so on and so forth is how that typically turned out. But this gentleman was nice and uh, he gave me a sample of a formula that was 3,000 milligrams. Mm-hmm. And I said three thousand milligrams, and he said, "I know, right? Isn't that awesome?" <laughs> and I didn't. Uh, what, and it wasn't in the mood to let him down. Yeah. But um, no, that is not awesome. Why? Because sometimes more is less. So when you have, like I said before, a full spectrum organic high terpene CBD formula, you can take a dosage of around three milligrams that will get the job done with mm-hmm. whatever issue you got. Three milligrams. So you have three thousand. Then you have three, mm-hmm. okay? So when you look at the numbers of 3,000, typically they're isolates. They're not full spectrum and there's not typically not a lot of high terpenes. So why is it 3,000 milligrams? Because they have to put that much more of that isolate in there for you to feel it, mm-hmm. for you to get a response. Mm-hmm. Not ideal, not ideal at all. Can you damage your neocannabinoid system? Of course. Wow. You can damage it through taking the wrong type of CBD products, which I think is, uh, I would venture to say, it's why the FDA is coming down hard on a lot of these charlatans out there in the marketplace. Mm. Well, they're ripping people off. Right. But at the same time, you can damage your no cannabinoid receptor sites. In fact, when you bombard them with such high levels of CBD synthetic, if there's hexane or just at potency of 3,000 milligrams, the no cannabinoid receptor sites will start to close up. Hmm. And they'll no longer start to receive the phytocannabinoids. Um, that's an issue. Yeah. You know, so CBD, so, so guys and girls purchasing CBD from a gas station, don't do that.
0: Right. There's a couple of gas stations here in town. There are.
1: Don't do that. Yeah, right? don't do that. So that's what I'm looking for. If purity, you buy a
0: Slim Jim right next to your CBD, you might want to walk away. Might want to walk away.
1: Do walk away. <laughs> so purity and potency, that, that's what I'm looking at first. Purity and potency. Purity and potency. Yeah. Okay. If it's full spectrum, meaning if there's some THC involved, mm-hmm. it's a good thing. Here's why. Okay. So uh federal regulation and any CBD product is 0.3% THC. Mm-hmm. That is not enough to it's not experience
0: get you high. no and not You can not, drink not, the whole bottle and we'll get you. High. You can
1: drink 20 bottles. Yeah. Not possible. Okay. Um, no psychotropic effects. Mm-hmm. Uh, Louisiana regu- regulation as well. They adopted that 0.3. Um, reason why I think it's important is because the hemp plant and the cannabis plant have a very synergistic relationship, right? Mm-hmm. So if you take a uh, CBD isolate Um, even if it's high in terpenes, you're going to get a response. However, if there's THC in there, 0.1% or 0.3%, whatever, you're going to get a better response. So THC helps CBD molecules unlock more medicinal beneficial therapeutic benefits. Now it's repetitive and vice versa. Mm -hmm. Your CBDs will help THC unlock more medicinal benefits and more medicinal compounds as well. So it's good to have a full spectrum formula. Um, You will get more results. Um, a very popular question. Will you fail a drug test? The answer is No. Uh the answer is possibly. Really? It is. Depending on your unique biochemical makeup. Huh. Um it is possible.
0: Yep. So I be took a that. I took a drug test. I've been using C B D for three years, and uh that was one of the things I was, you know, I was interested to see because I don't smoke pot. Uh took a drug test at a doctor's office or a place that was, you know, professionally. Wasn't like an at-home drug test, and nothing showed up. So I was like, "Oh, cool,
1: <laughs> yep. that's great." You're on that. You're on that side of the fence, yeah, whereas good. someone else could have very well popped
0: hmm. for and failed. Interesting. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Right on. Well, anything else you want to say about CBD before we move on to the final topic, inflammation?
1: I would say nature's most premier anti-inflammatories are going to be um, turmeric, mm-hmm. frankincense, and a
0: high-quality CBD product. Is is turmeric by itself something that would work or does it have to have curcumin as well?
1: So curcumin is the medicinal compound of turmeric. Okay.
0: Okay. But but let me
1: answer your question by saying this, Um, turmeric is going to work much more effective if it has turmerones or curcuminoids, okay. which are the essential oils of the turmeric plant. Okay, Most, uh, if I get going on turmeric, I'm not going to be able hold to Hold
0: on so now. Hold up. So is your best way to get turmeric, um, besides your supplementation, if you just go down to Whole Foods, get the root, and shave it off into your... I actually used to put in my eggs. It was really good, actually. Mm-hmm. Shave off a little bit. I mean, it might make you cringe at home if you're thinking about turmeric and eggs. I'm just saying, you get a cheese grater, shave the root a little bit, just a little bit, and that way you're starting to get it naturally in your diet as well you know supplementation. Can you overdo it with turmeric? No. Okay. And
1: that that particular methodology, absolutely not. Okay. In fact, unfortunately, uh, doing it that way um, really is just going to be for flavor. You're not going to be able to absorb okay. a lot of the medicinal benefits from the root itself. In fact, three to five percent of a turmeric root is. The curcumin, the curcuminoids, three to five percent. Okay, so you're not absorbing a lot of that at all. Much right. better to get turmeric in a supplement. Sure, and be mindful of the manufacturer and what they're up to.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's funny because it made me think of creatine. You know, um, people that have a problem taking supplements uh, within the within the strength training context. You know, uh, I always recommend a creatine monohydrate supplement, and they go, "Well, can't you just get it naturally from you know complete uh, proteins?" I say, "Yeah, you can get it from." you know, 16 ounces of tuna a day.
1: <laughs> right.
0: So yeah, supplementation, there's a reason why it's out there. So moving on to inflammation. <clears throat> inflammation is associated with stress. They, they go hand in hand. And, and as we already talked about before, stress and inflammation are two of the main causes of many or most disease processes. And so managing stress and inflammation in a healthy way is only beneficial to establishing long-term health and well-being. I want to just read from... Get Serious, which is that book that I referenced earlier. It's by Dr. Brett Osborne. It's a neurosurgeon's guide to optimal health and fitness. And in his book, uh, Dr. Brett Osborne argues that optimal health is associated with optimal gene expression and also that genes can be turned on and off by various environmental stimuli and that all diseases have an inflammatory component. That's what he believes based on what he's seen. Every disease out there has an inflammatory component. Um, He believes that We should be preventing genetic mutations and protecting our genomes by limiting free radical production and reducing oxidative stress. And so I know I've just thrown a lot of like words out there that some people have never heard of. So first let's talk about what the heck is a free radical, okay? How do antioxidants play into that, right? Where's the balance there? How do they work? You know, how does one work against the other? Um, And what is their relationship to stress and inflammation? So what's a free radical?
1: Um, a free radical is basically a cell that has an inappropriate amount of electrons that is running around, robbing other cells of their electrons, mm-hmm. creating cellular damage. Mm-hmm. Free radicals is oxidation in okay. the body, oxidation of yeah. the cells. So think of rust on a car. Yeah, that's what's happening. That's Exactly in the what cells. he says in his
0: book here. It's like rust.
1: Yeah, what he said was really well said. I haven't authored any books yet, but what right. he said is, is, I think it's right on point.
0: Um, he called so, rust aging. That's what he aging. said. That's what sure. it is. It's aging.
1: That's what it is. Um, in one way, the battle of, of, of life and death is, is a battle of oxidation hmm.
0: in the body. That's, that's fascinating. Yeah, I'm just going to read again from this book here. He says, uh, free radicals roam around in your body and essentially punch holes in cellular structures that they react with. Left unchecked, free radicals can do rust to the body's uh, inside through a process known as oxidation, just like you said, which they call aging. Although free radicals are produced naturally in the body from, ox- from oxidative processes, lifestyle factors can accelerate their production.
1: Correct. I want to put this on the table, right? Yeah. And so root causes of disease, um, inflammation, mm-hmm. uh, for sure, but I would also at this point, it's 2020 mm-hmm. in, the, in these times of modernity and during this digital electronical right. revolution we're experiencing, mm-hmm. toxicity specifically, mm-hmm. the body's inability to detox effectively. Mm. I'm putting it on the table as, as another perhaps root cause of dis-ease because if the body doesn't have the wherewithal to get rid of those free radicals, Mm -hmm. then they're gonna continue to cause more
0: and more damage. And that's interesting. So we're talking about the free radicals and and how the body doesn't have the ability or or can lose the ability in some sense to detoxify itself. But if we're focusing on eating nutrient-dense foods, staying properly hydrated, getting adequate amounts of sleep, meaning between six to nine hours, depending on the individual, at the same time every day and exercising, we can enhance the body's ability to detoxify itself and to stay healthy. You know, and even here, um, some of these toxic chemicals, you know, are referred to like pesticides, air pollution, smoking, et cetera. Those are, it's almost impossible to like not get pesticides on your food at this point. If you buy them from local grocery stores, it's going to be there. Um, And and so we are fighting an uphill battle, you know, we have to educate ourselves. Like it's not even an option unless you just like want to live a life that's going to be suboptimal and, disease-ridden, you know?
1: I would, uh, big time. I would argue that the earth has never been more toxic mm. in its history. And we are here to experience that, interestingly enough, right? And it is a huge uphill battle daily. The right. amount of the the various levels of toxicity through our food, through the water, through the air through electromagnetic frequencies mm-hmm. coming from our phones, laptops, cell, cellular phone towers. 5G network is coming online as well. That's expediting this process. It's never been more of a fight to uh, deal with, to appropriately deal with, and in this case, detox
0: um, toxins. So antioxidants can help us fire Absolutely. free radicals. Yes. Antioxidants, I'll just read a definition here and then I'd love to hear your uh, explanation of it. Antioxidants are molecules that prevent the oxidation of other molecules. Antioxidants are chemicals that lessen or prevent the effects of free radicals. They do it by donating an electron to free radicals, thereby reducing their reactivity. Because remember, James said that free radicals essentially run around in your body stealing electrons from other molecules. Uh, Dr. Brett Osborne calls that stealing process a punching holes in the cellular structures of other cell membranes, which is very graphic, but that's what's going on. And so um, that's how mutations occur. That's how those genetic mutations can occur and tumors can grow and, and all sorts of nasty stuff. So antioxidants, it seems, are, are going to be fundamental in combating the, the effects, the side effects of uh, free radicals. So... What are some practical ways that we can increase the amount of antioxidants in our body nutritionally, James, supplementation-wise, nutritional, et cetera. Sure.
1: So there's the obvious, but I want to focus on uh, the core three that I mentioned previously, uh, supplemental herbal, anti-inflammatories, back to turmeric, frankincense, and high-quality CBD. Hmm. All of those rich in antioxidant support, fighting free radicals, neutralizing cancer cells, mm-hmm. right? That is what they do. most. Again, nature's premier anti-inflammatories, anti-inflammatory, antioxidant.
0: How do you, um, just talk about frankincense for a second because yep. you talked about turmeric, CBD. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's the optimal amount of frankincense? How do you take it sublingually? Mm-hmm. You digest it, et cetera. Yes,
1: so as an oil. Um,
0: Topical or sublingual? Sublingual. Okay. Sublingual. Uh, as that means oil, under the tongue.
1: Under the tongue. Um, a lot of them are in capsules and gel caps these days as well, right? Uh, frankincense, mm-hmm. otherwise known as Boswellia, right? Um, that, uh, well, if I'm thinking about my shop, um, it, I only sell it in capsules. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't sell it in, in, as an oil for you to drink. Um, it's a resin, but I don't sell it in resins. So with all that said, most commonly you're going to find it as a capsule. Um, one particular product that I'm extremely fond of and this product is produced or rather manufactured by Terry Naturally, your pharma It's mm-hmm. called Cura Men. It's uh, two parts, turmeric and frankincense. And it is for relieving pain, ouch pain. Mm-hmm. So I said, ouch pain to say this. Uh, I heard this a few years ago and it really stuck. Two types of inflammation, loud inflammation and silent inflammation. Loud inflammation, I just fractured my wrist. This hurts mm-hmm. quite a bit. Yeah silent inflammation for example dementia mm. there's no physical pain but there's a lot of inflammation in this case in the brain right neurologically speaking so what uh what frankincense will do will help with release that inflammation obviously is a very potent antioxidant and help bring balance in that regard and this one particular product again curamin i just can't speak more highly about it mm. great mix of the turmeric and the frankincense together so that would be a great way to take your frankincense
0: that's great. How much does it cost at your shop?
1: Oh gosh, um, you'd think I would be able to spit out an answer real quick, <laughs> you know. Uh, the cureman's gonna it's gonna vary depending on the quantity, uh-huh. right? But I think 120 count is gonna be about 99 bucks. Uh, there's seven count trial size for like I don't know, yeah, 17 yeah. bucks, and that it, it's gonna vary in range. Mm-hmm. But your um, uh, it's Pharma, affordable. It's it's affordable and it is worth it. In fact, yeah. so what's so unique about Europharma Terra Naturally? Is typically when universities across the country mm-hmm. do studies on turmeric, they're calling pharma to get their turmeric wow. to do these studies. There's been 34 clinical studies on their turmeric, right? And one such study, which came out fairly recently, demonstrated that turmeric, uh, their turmeric, uh, will actually be more effective and less damaging than NSAIDs. Wow. In other words, Tylenol, ibuprofen, right? the turmeric would be more effective at reducing that pain and inflammation. And then what do you know, there's some pretty cool side effects of turmeric, improving your mood, Mm -hmm. improving your cognitive function, improving cardiovascular health, obviously an antioxidant and so on and so forth. It's a catch-all health tonic for the body. Everyone should be taking turmeric. In fact, if you you ask a lot of old-school herbalists Mm -hmm. in the industry, the whole, hey, you're stranded on an island, you get one choice, what would it be? Most of them will say turmeric.
0: Wow, that's amazing. That's fascinating. So we're talking about inflammation and those are some of the nutritional slash supplemental ways you can take care of inflammation. Um, and I, I do want to talk a little bit about exercise and how we how it helps to prepare the body to handle inflammation. And and I do want to tie it back to obesity because obesity is a huge freaking problem. It's massive, dude. And like it's 100% avoidable, like 100% avoidable. Sure. 100% avoidable. Mm-hmm. And so... First of all, exercise. You know, there's a lot we can say as far as um, as it concerns to inflammation. But <clears throat> individuals who exercise are exposed to the associated oxidative stresses that happen, right? So, oxidative stresses meaning it's it, you're getting oxidation that's happening from metabolic processes. So, without getting too deep into biology. When you do a push-up, for example, or a bench press or a squat, you burn energy, right? And that's a metabolic process. And from that process, you get oxidative stress that accompanies it. But here's the cool thing about exercise and about balance, right? Exercise is natural. As long as you're not over-exercising, over-training, right? Like you're staying within your your limits. You're pushing yourself just enough, right? You're not not under-training. You're not over-training. You're pushing yourself just enough, and it's highly subjective, but... Um, essentially, just enough is uh, you feel like you got a good workout, right? You don't feel like you're gonna throw up. Mm-hmm. You don't feel like you just wasted your time. You feel like you got a good workout, right? Sweating a little bit, feel confidence, I feel great. That's just enough. And so, the body, after it's exposed to that type of stress, will upregulate antioxidant enzymes. Mm-hmm. And so, it's like this, this idea of getting stronger really is summed up in you're getting stronger. You're exposing yourself to the right dosage of stress so your body can overcome that. And do that enough times over the, the 20, 30, 40, 50, 60-year period of your training, you're going to be uh, less susceptible to disease and, and inflammation, right? Chronic inflammation, right? Acute inflammation, good thing. Chronic inflammation, disease, Right. right? So weight training... Building muscle mass is a great way to to help get your body um, stronger to help fight off the disease process known as uh, oxidation and specifically building more muscle is going to help improve something that 's called uh, insulin sensitivity right and so one of the things we see with obese people is that their body typically has become insulin insensitive right it uh, 's insulin resistant right so Um, I don't want to dive too deep into biology again, but insulin is necessary because it it, it helps the cell wall uh, uh, of a cell become permeable to glucose. And the glucose comes into that cell and that helps give you energy, right? Your cells need energy. And so glucose is one of the most commonly used forms of energy in the body. It's not the only one, but it's one of the most commonly and certainly one of the more efficient ways that your body can create energy for the cell. And so the stored form of glucose is called um, glycogen. And when you are training, you are your bodies are using that stored glycogen, right? For energy, right? And so the problem is, is with insulin insensitive individuals and obese individuals is that their body, their cells are becoming resistant to insulin. So the glucose that's in their bloodstream cannot permeate the cell wall, can't be stored as glycogen. And so it's floating around in the bloodstream and then it's getting stored as fat, right? Because the cells aren't gonna use it. So it just gets stored as energy, like- if you If you are obese, that is excess energy that you need to utilize so weight training is the best way, not cardio weight training is the best way to get your body to become sensitive to insulin again and so when we're talking about weight training, if you have some sort of um mental picture of like a guy squatting eight hundred pounds, like don't worry that's not weight training that's a highly specialized form of weight training that you're probably not gonna get to. I'm definitely not gonna get there, (laughs) right? So, And I've been training for over 15 years. So that's a a highly specialized form. Don't worry about it. Females, look, you are not gonna get buff if you start weight training twice a week. I promise you. I know semi-professional bodybuilders, that's all they freaking do and they're buff. But it's very difficult to get buff. (laughs) It's not easy. So if that's one of your fears just toss it out. It's Don't worry about it. What you should worry about is your health. And adding weight training one to two to three times a week for 45 minutes is one of the best things you can do outside of good sleep, good nutrition for your body. Weight train. Yes. Pick up something heavy, put it down, don't get hurt. Straight up. <laughs> Hire a professional if you don't want to get hurt. Um, but, and there's plenty of professionals out there that can help you. But when you improve your insulin sensitivity, you're going to dampen the blood sugar spikes that happen when you eat a meal. So anytime you eat a meal, especially highly processed, refined carbohydrate meals that are plentiful out there in our society, and they taste so good, but do so much damage to the body, when, if you weight train, your body's going to be more prepped for the free radical onslaught that's going to occur after you've spiked your blood sugar up really high because your body's used to absorbing glucose quickly. It's used to utilizing all of that blood sugar that it has for the next weight training session, right? And here's another cool thing. The more muscle you build, the higher your your resting metabolic rate's gonna go because muscle is metabolically active, unlike fat. Muscle requires energy to heal it because when you go in the gym, as far as muscle's concerned, you're not gaining any muscle in the gym zero muscle you're gaining. Now you're making neural increases and and strength increases, but you're not building any muscle in the gym. All you're doing is tearing it down. You build all your muscle through your nutrition and through your sleep. That is how you get gains, bro. Yes. So (laughs) weight training will help your body not only be stronger and be more prepared for the acute inflammation that's going to occur after you eat, after you train, after you Get in a car accident, or after whatever stressor comes into your life, that's inevitable. Weight training is going to make you more resilient when it comes to inflammation. It's also going to help relieve stress. So weight training again, just freaking pick something up that's heavy, put it down, and don't get hurt. It's going to be the best thing you probably did uh, in a long time. And so I want to encourage you guys and, and girls in that weight training is is very very healthy for you. Um, there is an excess of literature out there that, that shows that it is. And so I'd encourage you, go down to your local gym, hire a trainer. A lot of gyms, you know what they do is they actually give you two, one to two free training sessions uh, just for joining the gym. I know Pelican Athletic Club here in Mandeville does that. It's great for you. Get in there, get with a professional, have him or her show you around, have them teach you how to squat, how to deadlift, how to push things that are heavy around without getting hurt, and, and enjoy the process of taking control of your health. And that's ultimately what this whole podcast has been about. It's been awesome, James, having you on. Um, There's just so much we can continue to talk about. We will get you back on, and we're going to do some serious deep dives into CBD, into I want to go back into Adaptive Gens. I want to go into a lot of stuff. So it's been great. James, please, before we end this podcast, tell people where Sacred Earth is, how they can get a hold of you on your social media, et cetera.
1: I sure will. But first, Brother Mike, this has been so thoroughly enjoyable oh, and thanks, fun. Man. And your piece right there, I absorbed all of it. That was so brilliant and really well said. Thanks, man. Um, you add such value to this project. Um, don't let anyone tell you different. <laughs> Thank you, brother. So, as far as uh, Sacred Earth, uh, we're located at 310 Dollwill Drive, uh, right across from Rouse's off Highway 22, uh, right next to Ponchatrain Po' Boys. Okay, they're in Dollwill. And a uh, little complex right there, mm-hmm. and uh, that's where we're at hours are Monday through Saturday, currently ten to six, closed on Sundays. that's mm-hmm. our brief intermission, and I am there most of the time. yeah, uh, if you def- feel free to call ahead to make sure if you want to have, come have a conversation with me, uh, just to make sure obviously I'm there, and I also do supplement consulting. What does that mean? That means that uh, I analyze blood work nice, so we can really. If I got blood work, right? Mm -hmm. That's all the information that, that's rather that's the most relevant information I can utilize to really see what's going on, because the numbers don't lie. Mm -hmm. So if I can look and see what's going on, up close and personal like that, I can much more effectively make proper recommendations how to get certain imbalances back in balance.
0: I love it. Sacred Earth, across from the Rouses off Highway 22, follow them on social media, get in there, take control of your health, guys. Talk to you soon. Bye. Cheers.
1: Thanks for listening to the Nehemiah Project podcast. For more resources about addiction recovery, suicide prevention, and overcoming other life controlling issues, you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram and visit our website, tnproject.org. If you or someone you love is struggling, don't hesitate to reach out to us by calling 985-205-3022.